Um, we're going to dive in here. So we've been in a, um, uh, a season where we've been looking at this kind of um, uh, these sacred seasons of life that we have. But before I dive into that, I forgot to have you pass the peace. So go ahead and do that right now. Pass the peace to someone, tell them you love them, tell them you miss them, tell them hi, invite them even now to come over to your house to watch this next week. Go ahead and do that right now. And now I'll dive in as you're getting ready to listen. So we've been looking at these sacred seasons that Jesus talks about in John chapter 15. Uh, and there Jesus is kind of laying out for his disciples. He's kind of casting some vision as he's getting ready to go to the cross. He's sharing with them what he anticipate or what they can anticipate life will be like, what a life of following him looks like. And he goes into this idea of these sacred seasons. So I'm just going to read a couple verses. John chapter 15, verse 1. It says, I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Today we're going to talk about fruitfulness. I want you to pay attention to that word. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, it's like you're a branch that's thrown away. And, and oh, thrown away and wither. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. They basically don't have any usefulness. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So we've been talking about the idea of remaining or abiding, a pruning. We spent the last couple of weeks growing, uh, talking about growing, and, and how all of this now is leading up to this point, that Jesus' desire, he says, it's the Father's will that we bear much fruit. We have to think about growth in relationship to fruit. We grow so that we can produce fruit. So think about this for just a second. If uh, uh, there's a branch on a vine, it grows so that it can produce grapes. The branch doesn't grow just for its own sake. It grows for the sake of producing grapes. Apple trees, the branches grow on an apple tree in order to produce apples. The point of an apple tree is that it bears fruit, that it bears, that it actually produces apples. You are the same. You and I, as followers of Jesus, are the same. We were made to produce or bear fruit. If you go all the way back to the beginning of human beings. He puts us into relationship with them and he says he wants that he wants us to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. Right there in the human DNA, into our kind of uh, human image of God that we have. He says, I want you to bear fruit. We were made to bear fruit. It's a part of who we are. It's a part of our destiny as human beings. And so Jesus picks this back up because Jesus isn't coming up with something new. He's actually uh, illuminating what God's heart and attention and design always was, that we would bear much fruit. So the question is, what does it mean to bear fruit? What does that actually mean? 
Well, it's helpful to think about the difference between growth and fruit. It's helpful for me to kind of separate them out. Now, I'm doing this because Jesus uses this really rich metaphor. And actually, he doesn't kind of give all the explanations here because he wants to stir up our imagination. So imagine that you're with Jesus and you're on kind of a beautiful mountainside. And off in the distance, you can see vineyards uh, and you can see vines growing on trellises and you can see grapes. And he is pointing their attention to this visual image. He's trying to stimulate their imagination. Imagination. So we're doing it a little bit of an injustice in doing some of the defining that I'm doing right now, but I think it's helpful for us to really understand what Jesus means. So think about it like this. Growth is the process of becoming more like Jesus. And we talked about that over the last few weeks. Our, our minds, our heads, uh, our hearts, and our hands. We, we use all of those things. We engage in all of those areas to become more like Jesus. So we engage in the process of growth. But growth is something that happens to us. It's something that happens in us. Growth is, think about a branch. The, the branch is nourished by the trunk of the tree or by the vine, and it begins to expand. It begins to grow. It begins to strengthen. And the inside of that, of that branch is actually expanding. It's growing stronger in order that it can eventually produce that fruit. It's something that happens to the branch. It's something that happens in it. It gets longer. It gets more sturdy. Fruit is different. Fruit is the result of something that happens in us and through us. So growth is something that happens to us, whereas fruit is something that happens through us. It's helpful for me to think about it this way, that fruit is what happens through us for the sake of other people. Grow a fruit, fruitfulness, I'm sorry, fruit is something that happens through us for the sake of other people. So think about it. If you just kind of just kind of tease it out a little bit, branches exist to produce and hold fruit. It's their purpose. But fruit exists for something outside of the tree. Fruit exists for something outside of the tree. So think about an apple, for example. An apple is taken from a tree and it's eaten by something. And when it's eaten by something, it actually produces life. It produces energy. It sustains the thing that's eating the apple. So the apple is not for the tree itself. It's actually for something beyond the tree. The fruit is something for beyond whatever is producing the tree. It sustains, it gives life. The point of the fruit is not that it gives life to the thing it came from. It's that it gives life to something else. Life has been put in. It's like it, all the energy, all of the, the vitamins, all the nutrients that are in that fruit are meant to sustain life for something else. So it's something that happens through the fruit. Also, think about this. If you take an apple and you cut it in a cross section, we've got a picture of that for you. Uh, there are seeds inside of that apple. And the seeds that are inside of that apple aren't to be consumed. They're actually meant to fall down into the ground and begin to grow a new apple tree so that more apples can be produced. Again, it's not for the sake of the tree itself. It actually is something it reproduces. It actually brings more life. So that's why growth is different than fruit. Growth is something that happens so that fruit can be produced. And fruit is produced to give life to other things. So it helps me to think about that fruit is the result of the growth that's been happening in my life. And the whole point of all of that is to bring life to other people.
Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, yeah, that's helpful. But I don't think that we can state this like emphatically enough that that your purpose in life is not just about you. God loves you. He delights in you. He wants to walk in relationship with you. But all of the goodness and all of his kindness to you, you walking in intimacy and friendship with him is not just about what you get out of the relationship. Actually, he wants to do something through you. Sometimes in kind of the Christian world, we can think about growth or spiritual growth as an end unto itself. That I'm growing just for the sake of growing. But you are growing to become more like Jesus so that you can produce fruit just like Jesus did. Now, the interesting thing is you can't do one without the other. You can't produce the fruit that Jesus did. You can't have the fruit of Jesus' life without growing and becoming more like Jesus. It's just not possible. So they go hand in hand, but the end result of the process is fruitfulness. It's his life through you for the sake of other people. Okay, so we get that. We get that that's what fruit might be supposed to be. So let's get even more specific. Let's think about what are some different categories of what that looks like. What is fruitfulness? So I'm going to give us three over the next couple weeks. The first one is fruit that looks like kingdom character. Most of you would have heard of the fruit of the spirit. These are characteristics of what should be typical of a person who is being led by the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus. But those fruits of the Spirit, the, the character that's being formed in us, isn't just to make us good people, isn't just to give us a happier life. It's actually meant to give life to other relationships. So we're going we're gonna to break this down in the next couple of weeks, but you'll see when you start reading the fruit of the Spirit, you'll realize that all of those things benefit the people around you, not just you. And so the first fruit that we're going to talk about is that we, have, we get to grow and produce kingdom character. The second one is going to be that we produce kingdom people. That's the second thing. Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, all throughout the Bible, uh, the metaphor of fruit has to do with reproduction. So a lot of times it has to do with actual like producing children. So the fruit of my life are, are my children. The fruit of Jesus' life were his disciples, people that looked like him. They were his spiritual children. So there's kingdom people. So fruit is going to have to do with us reproducing people. And we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. Today, we're going to zoom in on this one. The third fruit I would talk about is kingdom works. All throughout the Bible, again, the metaphor, when you talk about fruit, is typically about, like I said, reproduction. But it also has to do with the actual action of our lives that bring righteousness and justice and peace to other people, that bring healing and hope to other people. When Jesus says that a, a tree is known by its fruit, he's specifically talking about our actions toward other people. So fruit has to do with the fruit of our life has to do with our actions that produce life in others. Jesus said, I'm always doing my father's business. I only do what I see the father doing or what I hear the father doing. His father's business was to bring the kingdom of God to earth through the things that he did. And he wants us to do the same. So we're going to zoom in on that today, this idea of kingdom works. Sometimes the kingdom works, the things that, act, that Jesus does that produce life and others, sometimes they're really clearly supernatural. So Jesus prays for the sick 
and they're healed. He casts out demons and they're delivered. He raises the dead. He provides miraculously. They're very clearly supernatural kind of kingdom works. And so when we think about fruit, we should think about those things. We should think about the things that Jesus does that brings his kingdom supernaturally to people. Sometimes the things that Jesus does, his kingdom works, look way more like natural and very much very human. Uh, I don't like to necessarily distinguish between supernatural and natural. I just think it's helpful for us to think about this in a way. So think about this. Jesus spends time with sick people who nobody else would spend time with. He spends time with sinners who nobody else would spend time with. He spends time with outcasts from his own country, and he welcomes them into his closest followers, the, 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 the text collectors um, among them. He welcomes them into his family. He stands on behalf of those. That's a very, uh, it's, it's supernatural on the one hand, because not many people were doing it, but it's actually a very natural and human thing to do that. Jesus, by his own presence, by his actually getting his hands dirty, by associating himself with other people, actually brings brings transformation and life. So think about Jesus inviting Levi or Matthew, the tax collector, to come and be a follower of him. If you haven't watched the series Chosen, it gives you a really interesting picture into what the dynamic would have been like between a tax collector uh, and, and, and his people. He was collecting money from, the, from his own people for his own personal benefit to give to the Roman Empire. And he was hated and despised by everybody. That's a very accurate picture of what it would have been like to be Matthew, the follower of Jesus. Yet Jesus invites him into his inner circle. That is a kingdom work. Every time Jesus allows a prostitute into his presence, that's a kingdom work. Every time he allows a leper to come near and touch him, that's a kingdom work. It's a very human and natural kind of thing. But Jesus also does lots of teaching. Another way he does these kingdom works is through the wisdom and his teaching that he shares with other people. When Jesus talks, he talks with authority and it brings life to people. He, he actually uh, brings out the best in people and sometimes his words of truth highlight the worst in people. But all of that is actually bringing life to other people. He disrupts, he informs, but he really is transforming people through the things that he says. The common thing, the common thread in all of those kind of kingdom works is that these tangible things, these things that we can hold on to, that they either happened or didn't happen. Look, Jesus either raised Lazarus from the dead or he didn't. He either healed sinful, uh, uh, sick people or he didn't. He either welcomed sinful people into his family or he didn't. He either preached with authority or he didn't. All of these things are historical facts. And those things that Jesus did brought transformation to the people that he encountered. Everywhere Jesus went, his kingdom works brought healing and hope. So people were physically healed. People who were living in shame and hiding out were brought into the light by Jesus' very presence. I'm just so moved right now thinking about what that would have been like to, be, to see a miracle-working man, a man who could cast out demons, who could calm the winds and the waves, sitting down alongside of me, someone who doesn't deserve to be in the presence of Almighty God walking on earth. That just blows my mind, but this brought literal transformation to people. He brings truth and grace through his words, and those truth and those words set people free. Think about the story of the woman at the well. 
Jesus encounters this woman and he begins to unpack for her her whole entire history. Out of nowhere, she meets this person and she and he knows her in a way that no person has ever known her. And she's so captivated by this moment with Jesus that she runs away and goes and tell her, tells her village that he is the Messiah and tells their, their whole, her whole entire village, come out and see this man who told me everything I ever did. It's an amazing story. Jesus didn't do anything special in that moment other than be present with the woman and speak truth into her situation. His works, his tangible actions brought transformation. These actions brought life to others. That is what fruit is. Just like the apple, when consumed, brings life to another person, or when the seed goes into the, to the ground, produces a new apple tree. The, these are the fruits of Jesus' life. It's the end result of what the Father and the Spirit were doing in the life of the Son, that everywhere he goes, he produces life through his works. Now, here's the kicker. Jesus tells his disciples, the same things I was sent to do are the same things you are sent to do as my disciples. All the stuff you've seen me do, you're going to do it. As a matter of fact, just before this chapter, right before John chapter 15, I can't remember if it's in 13 or 14, Jesus tells his disciples, greater things than this you will actually do. So the people you saw me heal, guess what? You can do that and more. The people that you welcomed into your family who were outcast and despised, you can do that and more. The, the, the truth and the wisdom that you can share, you could do all of that and more. That is the radical claim that our Savior makes about his people. Do you realize how crazy that is? There has never been a leader in all of the world in any re- arena of life that tells his followers, you follow me only because you'll do greater things than ever I, I ever could do. The power that Jesus wants to give away to his followers to do the same things. That is, that is a promise for you and I. Every single person watching this right now, there is no exclusion to this. You might be sitting there saying, well, I don't really feel that. I don't really think that. Stop thinking that way. Don't think of yourself as less than what God thinks of you. When he sees you, he sees a follower of his who can produce the same kind of fruit that he did. Every single one of you, from the youngest to the oldest. I don't care where you are in the arena. There is no reason why you can't do what Jesus did. There's no reason why you can't see the same fruit produced in your life. You and I are called to bear the same fruit that Jesus produced. God has been working in your life and he's calling you to bring life to other people. He's calling you to bear fruit. And just in case you thought this is unique to this chapter 15, think about Ephesians chapter 2 verses 10. It's like one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. For we are God's handiwork. And actually, handiwork is like the worst possible word that can be used there. And actually, the word that's used is poema. And actually, it's where we get the word poem. It has to do with an artistic masterpiece. So you are God's masterpiece. Think about that. You're God's masterpiece. Your brokenness doesn't cancel that. Your family history doesn't cancel that. Your family of origin doesn't cancel that. What you think about your future doesn't cancel that. How much money you have in your bank account doesn't cancel that. What you did last night on your computer doesn't cancel that. What, what someone did to you recently doesn't cancel that. What someone told you that you would be or would not be does not cancel that. You are God's masterpiece. 
He's making beauty from ashes in your life. And here's what it says. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So he is making you this beautiful masterpiece. And he's creating this in Christ Jesus. He's put you in him to do good works, produce fruit. And here's the good thing, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So before you were ever born, God hung out fruit on a tree and says, gosh, I want that one to do this. I want that one to bring life here. He already had a dream in his mind for what that would look like for you. The story in his mind is written and he knows all the bumps on the page. He knows every page that turns that looks doesn't look good and doesn't, doesn't seem promising. He says, no, I'm actually making something beautiful because I've called them to make something beautiful too. The father has prepared good things ahead of you, good works for you to step into, opportunities for you to step into. Look, every time, everywhere you go, every time you step foot in a grocery store or your school or your workplace, you are stepping into the arena of God's good works. He has something prepared in advance for you to do. I'm absolutely convinced that every single day, God has some kind of story for us to step into if we'll, if we'll look for it, if we'll be ready, if we'll look to see where can we bring life. That is what he's doing in us. That is what he, he has set us apart for such a purpose. He is looking for us to do good works like praying for the sick, like feeding the poor, like speaking truth and grace and situation. It's not a question of if God wants you to do these things. It's not a question of if there are good works, if there is fruit for you to produce. The question is, will you do good works? Will you choose to bear fruit? So the question that I have to ask and the question that I have to think myself is, am I bringing life to other people? Is God, am I allowing God to work in my life in such a way that I'm bringing life to other people? And that's a question that you need to ask yourself. Are you allowing God to do things in your life and so, such that you are actually bringing life to other people so that sick people are being healed, so that people who are poor or oppressed are being encouraged, that people who don't know who are spiritually dead are, are hearing the gospel and being brought to life? Are you allowing God to work and produce this fruit through you? Now, we could sit here. Actually, let me back up. I want to be really clear about something because Jesus is really clear in this passage that fruit is not something we strive to produce. Fruit is something that is the result of being pruned and abiding and then entering into a process of growth and out of that growth on the other side is fruit. I don't have to work hard at being fruitful, but I do have to pay attention to the other phases of the process in order to actually see that fruit being produced in, in my life. There are all different kinds of things that can disrupt that fruit being produced. So you don't have to stress yourself with, oh man, I got to work so hard to produce this fruit. No, you don't. You have to be available. You have to be available. So we could think about 
uh, and break down all the different ways and places that we could look for how exactly we can step into these good things. And if I was a good practical pastor, I would do that. <laughs> I would say, well, here's the things you can do. We're going to do this next week and this na- th- that next week, and you can do all these things. But the reality is those examples I could give you of things you can tangibly do are completely secondary to the posture of your heart. The question of what I should do exactly is secondary to the questions of, do you believe that God wants to produce fruit through you? And are you willing to make yourself available to him to produce fruit? Because if you believe that God desires to produce fruit through your life and you're willing to make yourself available, you will find places to bear fruit. You just will. You just will. If you have that posture, you won't have to have anybody tell you what to do. You will see the needs around you and the places that need life. You'll look over there just like you, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the most uh, green thumb kind of person, but I like to, I don't know why, I just have this affinity lately for making our backyard look beautiful with flowers. And so now everywhere I see that kind of looks like weedy and desolate, I'm just beginning to have an eye for it and thinking, oh man, I'd like to put flowers in that place. All of a sudden my, my attention is just raised to all, to all of that. And that's what it can be like for you. Your attention could just be alerted to places that are desolate. We are called to make desolate places beautiful, flourishing places. If you believe that this is who you are and this is what God has called you to do, and if you're willing to look for places, God will show you exactly where to invest your kingdom works. He'll show you where to invest your time. I dare you to start praying for sick people and to see what God does. I dare you to start serving the poor and just see what God does. I dare you to start speaking encouragement to people and just see what God does. Don't wait until the perfect opportunity comes along. If I could just maybe agitate you just for just a little bit more, because you're watching this on the screen, so you can fast forward if you don't want to hear it. Don't wait for the perfect opportunity. Don't wait for the perfect training. Just dive in. Just dive in. God will guide you. He'll help you find the place. He'll show you your gifting. He'll show you where you should put your time and energy. I think so many, so many times we feel like we just have to wait for the right and perfect opportunity to, to go to dive in. I don't think that that's what we need to do. Now, I'm not saying that we should be busy all the time, just trying all the things. However, I think that a little bit of action is better than, than a little bit of inaction. That, that actually trying to see something, like reach out to someone, just, just attempt it. And in doing so, maybe you'll learn, oh, this is not my thing. But I feel like maybe God's given me a heart and passion for, over, for this over here. I can't tell you how many times through the years that myself and many other people have tried something uh, that was good and noble, but at the end of the day just wasn't something I was gifted and wired to do. And so I didn't know that until I tried it. <laughs> I would rather see try some things and say, you know what, that's just not going to happen for me. I just don't think that that's where God is calling me. I don't feel like I fit that need. Let's just at least do that. And then we can figure out, okay, what is the other thing? God's so gracious in this process. It's a process of discovery. So you've got to decide that I want to engage in this process of discovery. He'll show you. I promise you he'll show you uh, exactly what you should do. 
Now, go back and listen to Jen's message last week, and you'll know that what we really should be doing is listening for the Father's voice in all of this. We should be trying to hear what does he have to say, and then making our actions based off of what he's saying. But until you hone in that skill, do the things, like she said, that God's word says clearly to do. And then as you do that, I think what happens is your focus begins to narrow. God begins to make it more clear. Nope, it's this and not that. Put your energy here and not there. But you've got to start somewhere. And it's got to be a heart posture to say, I will bring life to other people. Right now, there are needs all around you, whether you're aware of them or not. There are dead things, spiritually dead things all around you. It's in your neighborhood. So hopefully in the last week or two, you've taken some time to pray or walk in your neighborhood. And God's highlighted some things for you. If you haven't listened to it yet, go back and listen to John and Crystal's podcast on how to do a prayer walk. We've got another one that's coming up really soon to, to kind of dive back into the idea. Because we want to be attuned to what God's, God's working in your neighborhood and there are needs in your neighborhood. And he's positioned you there to pray, to intercede, to bring life, to do kingdom works there. There are needs all around you. So look and see these areas and see how you can bring life to these things. Now to bring it home and to get it real practical for just a minute. There are lots of areas that are a passion of mine that I would like to have more time and energy to, to, to bear fruit in, to give my life away for the, the sake of other people. But one of the things that's highlighted right now that's just kind of going on in our culture is the whole issues around racism and injustice. It's, it, it's just very, it's very highlighted that this, this is a, um, there's a, a, a pain, uh, uh, an, an injury to humanity that's going on. And whenever we see those kinds of things, it should cause us to pause and pay attention and say, God, how do we respond to this need? How do we step into the story of something here that's really, really broken and bring life to it? How do we bring life and the gospel to bear of, after centuries of individual prejudice and then centuries and decades of systemic kind of prejudice? What does it look like to be a person who follows Jesus and brings life into this situation. And if I can be really honest for a minute, I don't really know exactly what my role is. I've attended some webinars. I've had conversations with, with some people who I trust in this arena. And uh, I just really don't know exactly what my posture is supposed to be. Or I, I shouldn't say I don't know my posture, but I don't know exactly what my actions are supposed to be. What I know is there are hurting and desperate people. And so I know that turning a blind eye to hurting and desperate people is not an option for me as a follower of Jesus. It's not an option. Regardless of what I think about all of it, whether I think it's too political or not political enough, whether I, whether I understand all of the issues, I know that turning a blind eye is not an option for me as a follower of Jesus. I am called to bear fruit in these kinds of situations. You are called to bear fruit in these kinds of situations. So I don't understand the complexity of all the issues. I'm trying to wrap my mind around it, but I know that God has prepared in advance 
good works here for us to step into. I know that, right? We just read that in the scripture. I know that there's an opportunity for the people of God to be the people of God and bear fruit in this situation. I'm only highlighting this because it's such a clear cultural moment for us as a church and here in the U.S., And so I know that God's people have a role in this. And so it just got me thinking, what does that look like? What does it look like for kingdom works in a moment like this? And so I want to show you something in just a second. In the midst of all of the brokenness, in the midst of all of the hardship, at the very site where George Floyd was murdered just a few weeks ago, there have been Christians of all different walks of life who have gathered together in Minneapolis and, it's be, and they have begun to pray and they begin to worship and they begin to share the gospel. They've been praying for the sick and they have been bringing Jesus to a broken situation. They've just been doing what they know to do. We're going to show up. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to pray for people who are sick. And then we're just going to see what happens. And in the midst of that, at the very place where the whole kind of thing just sparked, where the, the, the whole thing just ignited recently, there is a revival that's happening right there on the streets, right where George Floyd was killed. And I want to show you just a little video of a little now. That you rose again, defeating life and defeating death. I give you my life. Amen. Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, show me the fullness of what it means to follow you. In Jesus' name. There's going to be a couple other pictures that are going to just going to scroll through here over the next couple minutes. But but right now on the streets in Minneapolis where the whole track people being baptized in the name of Jesus. People being brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. Isn't that just like God and his people? (laughs) Sending us into situations like this to bring life to brokenness. That is what we are called to do. We're called to bring beauty instead of ashes. Joy instead of despair. We're supposed to be the rebuilder of broken things. That's what our calling as a church, that's the fruit that we're supposed to bring. That's what it looks like when a group of people says, you know what? I will choose to bear fruit in the midst of this darkness. I will choose to bring the life that is in me to all these broken places. Now, I'm not naive enough to say that from there, all of racism is over, all of the injustice is over, but I know that any hope for our future of being one as God meant us to be one has to start with hearts that are reconciled to Jesus. It's the starting place. As a matter of fact, the the whole of the New Testament basically says, like, look, everything has been made one through Christ. He's actually broken down every dividing wall that ever existed. All of that is broken in Christ. All that is brought together. So again, I'm not highlighting that as this is, this is the end of the racial conversation. I'm, I'm highlighting this because this is a tangible example of what it looks like to bring kingdom works to places that need life. Now, not every situation is going to look like that. It's going to be that grand display. Maybe the kingdom works that God is calling you to 
is to drop off food to a neighbor in need. Maybe the kingdom work that God is calling you to is to reach out to the lonely person that lives down the street from you. Maybe the kingdom work that God is calling you to is to help out with the food pantry or at big table. Maybe the kingdom work that God is calling you to is to begin to pray. You keep going to places and God keeps highlighting people for you that are sick or they have something, you can tell there's something physically wrong with them and you keep feeling like God's highlighting for that person. Maybe it's time to actually start doing that thing. Maybe you're the kind of person who walks through the grocery store or walks through, uh, through the park and you see someone and all of a sudden God just seems like they, they put a little idea in your head. God puts a little idea in your head for a way to encourage that per- person. Maybe that's the kingdom work that God has prepared in advance for you to do. Maybe it is bigger than that. Maybe there's a ministry that God is birthing in your heart. Maybe there's something that you've had stirring for a little while. You're not sure what exactly to do with it. I would love to talk to you about that. I would love to help bring that thing to life. That is what I'm called to do as a pastor. And that's what God wants to do. Maybe the thing that you're meant to do is to create pockets of community, of real authentic community where people really are known and know each other. Maybe that's the kingdom where God is asking you to step in. Whatever it is, It's not just about you. It's not so that you can just discover your calling. It's not just so that you can stretch and be grown. It's so that God can produce life through you. And again, we don't want to just be busy doing a bunch of different kinds of things. God does not want busyness and hurry in our lives. But neither does he want inaction in our lives. So whatever it is, whatever kingdom work God is calling you to do, I want to encourage you to step into it. God's promise to us that he makes here in John chapter 15 is that if we remain in him, if we abide, if we allow him to prune us, allow him to do what he wants to growing us, that we will bear much fruit. That's his promise to us. He's not saying, yeah, you might, a few of you, a few of you might bear fruit. No, he says, you will bear much fruit. And that is how we will know that we are his disciples. That's how we know we're truly following Jesus. So church, I don't know how to say this. I I wish that we were in a room together and I could say this to you face to face. It is time for us to step into our identity and step into our calling and to bear fruit. It's time for us to heal the sick, to take care of the poor and the oppressed. It's time for us to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is salvation for all of eternity. It's time for us to be bold in our proclamation of who Jesus is and what he has done. It's it's time. It's time for us to step up. God is calling us into something new. And it may not start tomorrow. It may start weeks from now. It might start months from now. But I want you to have a dream that begins to get birth in your heart. I want an idea to begin to form of exactly what that might look like. It's time for us to begin to posture ourselves for the sake of our city. God has put Fusion Church here in Wakanda and on a lake and Volo and the surrounding areas to bring his goodness and his kindness and his love and his mercy and his forgiveness to everyone that we meet. He has put us and positioned us here to do that. So rather than giving you a bunch of practical things, hey, do go do this, go do these five things. I want you to sing this little bit of the course with Rob, to sing a little bit of this song for just a minute. 
And I just want to see what God might stir up in you. I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit knows better how to apply this message than I do. So just take a minute and sing along and see what God stirs up in your heart. Someone needs the love that God has put in your heart. (laughs) Someone needs that. Someone needs the love that God's put in your heart displayed in tangible ways. They need to experience God's love through your love. They need to see it. They need to feel it. They need to know it. This is not about a militant advance. This is not about a church growth strategy. This is about the love of God poured out into the heart of his people, poured out through his people, through the tangible things that we do. We were never meant to keep this love to ourselves. Never meant to do that. Never meant to keep this power to ourselves. Never meant to keep this forgiveness to ourselves. Every gift God has ever given us has been meant to multiply and be given away. Every bit of it. So the love that you feel, the forgiveness that you feel, the freedom that you feel, it's God's heart that you would give that away to other people. 
It's his heart that they would experience that freedom, that joy, that peace. And he's put you in the lives of people to see that happen. He's put you in different places to see that happen. What an incredible joy. It's his joy that we get to have too, where we get to endure hardship and difficulties with incredible joy. Because we say, you know what? I know this is for my father's glory. I know this is for their good. I, God, I just know that you're working here. God put you there to carry hope and peace and love. And he's and it's not supposed to be just an idea. It's supposed to look like something. I love uh, the, the phrase, love looks like something. So let our love look like something. Let the fruit of our lives bring life to other people. I'm going to pray that for you today. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now you would put into the minds and to the hearts of every person who's watching right now a deep sense of passion for the things that you're stirring up in a heart, the good works that you've prepared in advance for them to do. God, I pray that you give them clarity, God, about the ways that they can step into the works that you have for them to do. And I pray, God, that there won't be a, a sense of busyness that will overcome us, a sense of um, that, that will, will just cause us to be hurried uh, and, and disconnected from our world. But instead, God, help us to be rooted in places, rooted in the lives of people. God, help us to hear your voice. Help my friends today to hear your voice clearly, God, so that we don't just go about running to and fro, but instead we focus with, with laser intensity, the love of Jesus in particular places and particular people, God. Show us, God, how to love those around us. Show us, God, how to step into your works. And would you empower us with supernatural resources to see your kingdom come? Would you multiply the gifts that are in us, God? The gifts of healing, the gift of prophecy, God, the, the gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, the gift of leadership. Would you multiply and stir up these gifts in our body, Lord, so that we would effectively lead and care for people in our community, God? Would you, would you God, uh, grant us a greater gift of generosity to bless the poor, God? Would you, would you give us the ability to step into situations and help to undo brokenness that's been there for generations, God? Would you show us what godly, what a godly approach to injustice looks like? Would you, God, would you just gift us with these things so that we can make a difference in our community, so that we can see your kingdom come to our towns and our neighborhoods as it is in heaven? Oh, God, come. Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Bring your healing. Bring your hope. Bring your peace. Heal our marriages, God. Heal our families, God. Here are fractured relationships with parents and brothers and sisters, God. Heal it all, God. Make us agents of healings, healing as you heal us, God. Would you do it in us, God? Would you do it in us, Lord? We ask this in your name, Jesus, and for the sake of your kingdom. Your name, amen. I pray that you'll have an incredible week, friends. I pray that God will show you opportunities for you to step into his story for his glory, and so that you can experience all of his goodness and his kindness. Go and be blessed, friends. Take care.